God is the driving force in our Christian lives. Apart from him, we can do nothing that pleases him. We don't need him just to save us. We need him to help us live in a manner that is honorable to him. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Fox Den. One of my listeners contacted me and asked where the fruit of repentance and the fruit of the Spirit overlap. So in this episode, I'm going to do my best to discuss the two and see the relationship between the fruit of repentance and the fruit of the Spirit. So first, we're all familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, and we find that in Galatians chapter 5. However, if you go to BibleGateway.com and do a search for fruit of repentance, nothing comes up, at least in the English Standard Version. So what that means is that phrase is not used in the Bible. Now, this doesn't mean that it's not a legitimate phrase. It just means that the Bible doesn't use this phrase. It doesn't use fruit of repentance. However, there are two places where this language is used. Not the phrase fruit of repentance, but something very similar. So take a look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, and Luke chapter 3, verse 8. And both of these passages record the same event. John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him to be baptized, he called them brood of vipers. Then he tells them to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And we see something similar in Acts chapter 26, verse 20. And this takes place many years after Jesus ascended to heaven. And here Paul told Agrippa about his conversion. And then afterward, he told Agrippa how he declared to people that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Now, Paul doesn't use the same term. He doesn't use the word fruit, but he's basically referring to the same thing, deeds or results in keeping with repentance. So I suppose at this point, I need to define fruit. And I don't mean this in a literal sense. We've all been to the supermarket and picked out an apple or an orange, so we all know what fruit is. But what does the Bible mean by using fruit of the Spirit or bearing fruit in keeping with repentance? Well, obviously, it's a metaphor. Fruit in both of these phrases means the product of or the result of something. The fruit of the Spirit are behaviors or characteristics produced by the Holy Spirit. Fruit in keeping with repentance are the product or the result of repenting. Now, repentance can't cause a behavior. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We see that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to repent in the first place. So bearing fruit in keeping with repentance is a work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it seems to me that the fruit of the Spirit and bearing fruit in keeping with repentance are very closely aligned. I'll try to hash this out in a moment, but first, let's define repentance. Repentance doesn't mean you're sorry. Your remorse over sin may play a part in your repentance, but repentance isn't remorse for your sin. So when you feel bad because you've sinned, that's not repentance. And when you repent, you don't merely tell God you're sorry and ask for his forgiveness. Repenting means a change of mind. You can think of it like changing direction 180 degrees. You're going north, and then all of a sudden you turn south and go the other way. That's repentance. But it's a change of mind that affects behavior. So, for example, you hate someone, and you change your mind, and you love them instead. 
And again, this change of mind affects your behavior. At first, you're hating somebody, you change your mind, now you're loving them. Paul gives us a great picture of repentance in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. So if we apply our definition of repentance to the thief, he will stop thinking like a thief and think like a giver. His change of mind will certainly affect his behavior. In other words, he's going to stop stealing. But notice here what Paul says. The thief isn't merely to stop stealing. He's to work in order to give. This picture of repentance goes further than stopping a particular sin. It actually does the opposite. So again, the thief doesn't take from others. He gives to others. That's repentance. And this is fruit or the intended consequences of repentance. So how does the Bible use the term repentance? First, when one repents, he turns from this evil world to God. Take a look at Acts chapter 20, verse 21. There we see the testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God. And then take a look at Acts chapter 26, verse 20. What Paul declared to Jews and Gentiles is that they should repent and turn to God. And again, this is where he used the term performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. So repentance means to turn to God. It's turning away from this wicked world and turning to God. But second, repenting is associated with believing the gospel. One no longer disbelieves God. He believes God who proclaimed the good news of Christ. Take a look at Mark chapter 1, verse 15. There, Jesus encouraged people to repent and believe in the gospel. So it's turning away from disbelieving God to believing God, to believing the gospel. And we see something very similar in Acts chapter 20, verse 21. And then third, repenting also has the idea of turning away from wickedness. Take a look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. There it says to repent and turn back. And the idea there is to turn away from your sins because then it says that your sins may be blotted out. And then finally, look at Acts chapter 8, verse 22. There it says to repent of this wickedness. So it's to turn away from wickedness. Now, when looking at bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, the Bible doesn't list particular characteristics like it does for the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, we can't compare the two. So I'm not going to do that here. However, what we can do is figure out what fruit results from repentance. First, this fruit is turning to God and believing the gospel of Christ. Second, it's rejecting the wickedness of this world and seeking to do that which is honoring and pleasing to God. Now, we're still sinners living in a sinful world, so we'll never live for God perfectly in this life. We will sin to the day we die because sin still lives in us. That's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7. However, in this life, we're going to struggle and fight against sin. Now, there's one caution I have at this point. We have to be careful not to call something sin that the Bible doesn't call sin. For example, some people believe drinking alcohol is a sin. However, there's no place in the Bible that says consuming alcohol is a sin. Drunkenness is associated with wickedness. We see that in Romans chapter 13, verse 13. And Paul warns that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. Furthermore, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul includes drunkenness with the works of the flesh as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit. So we're warned against drunkenness, but not the consumption of alcohol. On the contrary, we're encouraged to consume alcohol. 
Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. Paul encouraged Timothy not to drink only water, but to use a little wine because it's good for his stomach. Now, I bring this point up because some people may think that something like abstinence from alcohol is bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. And maybe it is for some people. Maybe this is a necessary step for somebody who struggles with drunkenness. However, if the Bible doesn't condemn the consumption of alcohol, but encourages its consumption, then we can't count abstinence from alcohol as a fruit in keeping with repentance. You can't assume this applies to everyone because the Bible doesn't condemn the consumption of alcohol. So we need to be careful not to call something sin that the Bible doesn't call sin. Well, at this point, let's take a look at the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Paul begins Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 with a contrasting conjunction. And that tells us what Paul is about to say contrasts what he just said. And that means we have to begin by looking at what Paul said beforehand. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, Paul describes the works of the flesh, which are opposite to the fruit of the Spirit. Now listen to the characteristics that Paul lists. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Furthermore, Paul says that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, listen to the contrast. Listen to what Paul lists as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the result of the work of the Holy Spirit. He produces these characteristics in us. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13? God works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now listen to how Paul concludes Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. Against such things there is no law. The reason Paul says this is because these things are what we are called to do to be the people of God, or to love one another. We're to have joy because of who we are in Christ and what God has done for us in Christ. We are to be patient with one another. We are to be kind and so on. Doing these things which are counter to the fruit of the Spirit are violations of the law of God. Now, let's look at this from another angle. Look at Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Paul says that we are to love one another. And when we love one another, we have fulfilled the law. Take a look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Here Jesus is asked, what is the greatest command? Now, interestingly enough, Jesus didn't go to the Ten Commandments. He actually summarized the Ten Commandments by going elsewhere in the Old Testament. And Jesus says that loving God is the great and first command, and the second is like it, to love one another. So we are commanded to love one another. And when we love one another, we're fulfilling the law. Now, let me return to Romans chapter 13. In verse 9, Paul lists four of the last five commandments of the Ten Commandments. And in summary, these commandments are loving your neighbor. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. So Paul's point is this. When you love, you won't commit adultery. You won't murder. You won't steal. You won't covet or secretly want something that belongs to someone else. Therefore, love is obedience to the law or the fulfillment of the law of God. Another thing that should be mentioned about the fruit of the Spirit is that these characteristics are a sign of the Spirit. 
It's an identifier of the Holy Spirit. In other words, how do you know that someone is walking by the Spirit? He doesn't gratify his sinful nature, but he's loving, kind, gentle, self-controlled, and so on. The person walking according to the flesh gratifies or satisfies his sinful nature. That doesn't necessarily mean that a person who exhibits characteristics such as loving, kind, and self-control is a believer. There are plenty of non-believers who aren't engaged in the list of wickedness found in verses 19 to 21. For example, not every non-believer is a drunkard. There are some non-believers who don't consume alcohol at all. On the other hand, Paul's not saying that if you commit these sins that you're not a believer. Remember, we're saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. The point Paul makes in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, is this. If you walk by the Spirit, you're not going to gratify or satisfy your sinful desires. Paul's not saying you're not going to sin. In fact, I've already alluded to it earlier. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7 that if you're a believer in Christ, sin still lives in you, and it's sin that causes you to sin. You can listen to episode 12, where I discuss Romans chapter 7, verses 7 to 25 in full. But here in Galatians, Paul's saying that you won't seek to satisfy your wicked desires if you walk according to the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is a sign of walking according to the Spirit. It's not a list of characteristics necessary for salvation. Perhaps we can say one difference between the fruit in keeping with repentance and the fruit of the Spirit is this. Fruit in keeping with repentance are the conduct coming from repentance, and the fruit of the Spirit is a sign that we're walking in the Spirit. Certainly this difference is a bit ambiguous, and obviously the two overlap. If you've repented, you're going to love, you're going to give, you're going to be self-controlled. You'll exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. But the point Paul makes in Galatians 5 verse 16 and following is how to know you are walking in the Spirit and not satisfying your evil desires. So from this short study, we can see that though the fruit of repentance and the fruit of the Spirit are certainly related, they're not necessarily the same thing. First, the fruit of repentance isn't in the Bible where the fruit of the Spirit is. The Bible does mention fruit that is in keeping with repentance, but not the fruit of repentance. Second, fruit in keeping with repentance and the fruit of the Spirit are very closely aligned. Both are products of the Holy Spirit. And third, the fruit of repentance is the product of repentance. The fruit of the Spirit is a sign of walking in the Spirit. Again, there's not much of a distinction here, and the two are certainly related. So with this in mind, we're obviously dependent on the Holy Spirit to produce fruit, those characteristics which are honorable and pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit causes us to repent. The Holy Spirit brings forth fruit in keeping with repentance. And the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God is the driving force in our Christian lives. Apart from Him, we can do nothing that pleases Him. We don't need Him just to save us. We need Him to help us live in a manner that is honorable to Him. And this is why we look to Him in our daily lives. We need the Holy Spirit to work in us to produce fruit. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. Remember, faith comes by hearing.